You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. Thanks for joining me again for another show. So as I am recording this, I am four days from my due date. <laughs> I'm fighting a little bit of a kind of a chest cold, so sorry for the sexy voice. Um, but yeah, just trying to get on top of it. I'm uh, doing my best to get as many podcast episodes pre-recorded so you guys have some consistent content while I'm on on maternity leave. But um, yeah, things are going really well. Feeling pretty good for the most part and um, just counting the days till I get to meet this little this little amazing guy coming into our world. So it's a really exciting time. So I am going to be sharing little updates on Instagram. If you guys want to follow me over there, I'm over at Dr. Low. It's D-O-C-T-O-R underscore L-O. Just little um, tidbits throughout the journey. And um, yeah, so definitely follow me over there. Just want to say thank you guys to anyone who has left some reviews recently for the podcast. It means the world to me. If you have been listening to the show and haven't left a review yet, what is wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Um, if you guys really do get some value out of the show though, I would, I would be very appreciative if you could just leave a quick review, share how your experience has been. If you have any requests for any shows, um, yeah, just leave it on there and I'd be happy to, you know, try to accommodate if there's any topics you want to hear about. If you want to hear more solo episodes, if you want to hear more interviews, you know, share all of that over there or you can message me over on Instagram as well. Um, real quick about our sponsor. We are sponsored by Organifi for this show, and I wanted to just highlight one of their products I haven't talked a whole lot about, which is their Complete Protein. So if you guys are, let's say you're not much of a breakfast person, you have a hard time getting in breakfast before the day, I actually always ask my patients this, how, um, how many days of the week do you eat breakfast? And I find that those that don't eat breakfast in the morning typically have a harder time losing weight typically have a harder time balancing out their blood sugar during the day. And what that looks like is, you know, sugar cravings. It might look like at the end of the day, you have a lot of, you know, um, a lot more hunger, like before bedtime, that can be a clue that your blood sugar is out of balance and having breakfast in the morning really helps to balance that out properly. Um, also if people are having brain fog, anxiety, mood swings, energy issues, um, and also period problems. A lot of this can come back to blood sugar issues and having breakfast is one of the best ways to balance out your blood sugar during the day. So I highly recommend to have breakfast every single day, at least 20 grams of protein, especially for women. We really do need to have that, that ongoing kind of blood sugar support. So something really easy is the Organifi Complete um, Protein. They have a vanilla and a chocolate flavor. Both of them taste amazing. Like seriously, guys, the vanilla tastes like cake batter. <laughs> it's not too sweet either. And it is um, a few of the ingredients I'll share with you. So it's a pea protein and a quinoa protein base. So it's gluten and dairy free. It also has pumpkin seed protein as well. Um, and there are enzymes in it. So amylase, protease, lipase, lactase, cellulase. So it helps to break down the um, smoothie and also whatever else you're putting into the ingredient, in, into the smoothie better. So you digest it better. 
It also has coconut milk in it and it has agave inulin. So inulin is considered a prebiotic. This is something that helps to feed your probiotics. So if you're taking probiotics, but you're not getting in the prebiotics, which is the food that feeds the good bacteria, then chances are it won't, they won't be hanging out very long in your gut. You know, so there's a lot of really great ingredients in here. It's 20 grams of protein in one scoop. So if you add in just one scoop, and even if you're busy, I tell my patients, just do a scoop of this in like a little shaker bottle of water, shake it up and just have that at least like just as a bare minimum. If you want to get fancy and add it into a smoothie and do all the extra things, add some maybe avocado, some greens, some berries, you can do all of that stuff, but give yourself that fuel first thing. So if you want to grab yours, you can get that over at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Dr. Lowe. And you'll see all the products on there that I recommend for my patients and for my listeners. And at checkout, just enter Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O, and you'll get 20% off this product or anything else on the website. All right, guys, I want to jump into a fun interview that I did with um, Dr. Siobhan Dawson. She is a psychiatrist um, out of South Africa, actually. And I um, hadn't met her in person before. It was someone that a friend had connected me with and was just really impressed with her approach to integrative psychiatry. Um, haven't really talked about this a lot on the show, so I thought you'd get a lot out of this interview. With all that said, enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. So I am always excited for every show, of course, but this show in particular, I am very excited about because as many of you guys know, who have been following the show for a while, what brought me originally to natural medicine is the world of psychology. So I became really interested in how nutrition affects the mind and the mood. And that was a class I took in college. It just blew my mind. And I knew I wanted to study this more just as a passion. And it, it's so cool because this is something I use all the time with my patients of how can, you know, how can we work on supporting their mental health with lifestyle and nutrition and all those things. And in this show, we're going to talk about the basics with that, but also take a little bit of a deeper dive beyond that um, into the world of integrative psychiatry. And joining me, I have Dr. Um, Dr. Siobhan Dawson, and uh, really excited to have her perspective. She is a medical doctor trained in Cape Town. She became a psychiatrist in London, and she's actually joining me from way far away. She's at, at 6 p.m. her time. It's 9 a.m. as I'm recording this, my time. So uh, incredible that technology can connect us. And, um, you know, I think that you're going to get a lot out of this show of just learning about maybe some more possibilities and things you can look into for yourself. And um, I think there could be some aha moments. So let's jump into it. Dr. Siobhan Dawson, thank you so much for joining me. It's good to have you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. You know, we were chatting a bit before I started recording, so I have a baby on the way, and I don't know when I'll be publishing this because I'm kind of batch pre-recording a bunch of shows to put out during my maternity leave, but at the moment, I am 37 and a half weeks pregnant, so two and a half weeks to go, um, and it's funny because prior to getting pregnant, I would be like, that's so annoying. Why are people saying weeks? Then I have to like divide it by, you know, I have to figure out the amount of months, so basically I'm nine months pregnant, <laughs> um, and I'm really coming up towards the end here, and, and you actually have three little ones yourself, one actually most recent, nine months old, so amazing. I always, I'm always just so inspired by women who are juggling all of that, mom life and professional life. And um, it's really incredible. So um, it's awesome stuff. It's, it's good to have you. What, so, and, and also just a little background, a friend of mine connected us who had the chance to take actually one of your retreats. 
Um, so I definitely want to hear more about that too. But before we jump into all those fun things, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your personal story. You know, what brought you to integrative psychiatry um, in the first place? And also, I know that you kind of took a turn towards, um, you know, functional medicine. And um, I know it involves a bit of a personal story with family. So I'd love to hear your story. Oh, thank you for letting me share it. So I trained as a psychiatrist in London at a very good training institution. And so we had the best psychiatrists, the people that were writing the, the textbooks, uh, lecturing us. And it was really an exciting place to be. But it still felt as though we were on the periphery of medicine. The psychiatric hospitals were divorced from the main hospitals. And I often used to feel a little embarrassed that I was a psychiatrist as though I wasn't a real doctor. Yeah. And I, I've always had a much um, kind of a greater curiosity around the, the, the depth of human emotion and resilience and, and our breadth of experience. And so I've always explored other healing modalities. So even though I was doing traditional psychiatry and uh, clocking patients in the NHS at two o'clock in the morning. I was also studying hypnotherapy and I had traveled to the Amazon to live with shamans um, to learn about their, um, their kind of medicines. And so I was always straddling the two worlds. And um, my father was, uh, well, yes, he was a traditional surgeon, very, um, very proud, noble man. And he kind of poo pooed my psychiatric leanings, um, wishing that I'd, you know, chosen surgery and something much more important, really, <laughs> yeah. or relevant. And then the poor man got diagnosed with um, colo colo well, colon cancer, and he had less than 18 months to live. Mm. And I knew at that stage that the traditional way of curing or treating the cancer was not going to serve him, and that he would probably uh, fulfill that statistic and be dead within the two years. And so I then started to dive deeply back into my biochemistry and found the world of integrative and functional medicine and started to really look at all of the, the articles around nutrition and, and the devastating effects of chemotherapy and started to really present this material to my father. And he initially only took up the advice around exercise and he started to really review his stress and he started to slowly improve his nutrition by cutting out sugar and eating more broccoli. And as time went on, he started to become more invested in it because he could see that the traditional roots weren't working. And what transpired was that on his deathbed, which was then six years later, wow. so I mean, that was pretty, it was almost seven years, which was pretty amazing for the, the stage of cancer that he had at that time. He lay on his deathbed in the last few days and he said to me, you have taught me more about medicine than I have learned in my career and you've actually become the doctor that I'm, I most admire. And that was incredible validation for me because finally he could see that I could be the psychiatrist and have this incredible curiosity about the, the unknown world and the mystery of human beings, but also have this deep relationship to individualized science-based medicine and yeah. that kind of catapulted me into this beautiful exciting wellness world and I embarked on 
on that in South Africa. And I, I really felt like I was trapped in, in isolation in my ivory towers in the hospitals that I was working in because the psychiatrists kind of shunned me. You know, I wasn't admitting as many patients to the hospital. And so I wasn't making any money. And um, I wasn't having big drug spins. People were coming to me from other psychiatrists to get off their drugs. And so it was a really challenging road to, to navigate. Um, and now my career is developing into holding group um, kind of functions because I'm starting to believe that we're moving into a space where it's more around community and collaboration and social responsibility. and, and so, yes, that's kind of my career in a, a nutshell. Wow. It's a really beautiful story. And I can see how that would be so, oh, just therapeutic, having that conversation with your dad, especially with the yeah. way that he had viewed what you do for a living. And, um, you know, it can be really hard when the path you go down is so different from the way that you've been brought up or, you know, you can, you can feel like it's not really something that you're, you know, maybe your parents approve of. And, um, but I totally relate to that because <laughs> I was definitely raised very conventional, you know, going to Kaiser doctors and being put on a lot of antibiotics. And my parents definitely did the best with the information that they knew at the time. Um, but when I went into natural medicine, I mean, it was like, what is this? <laughs> but, um, but it's cool now to fast forward. They're, they're the, you know, my biggest fans, biggest enthusiasts, and they pretty much follow anything that I encourage them to do. So it's um and sometimes without that what's that sorry now that i've you know now that i'm starting to think well are we are we really asking the right questions of ourselves in hindsight that friction that we both experienced would um was necessary for us to become passionate yeah around the own topic and really to develop the um, the meat in it if if we had just been supported um kind of subtly all our lives we we possibly wouldn't have got stuck in yeah yeah and and also how much we can learn from our children too i mean that's one of the things i'm so excited about with having a baby coming is getting to know him as an individual of who he is and what his life mission is you know his assignment in this in this life and um you know and and i i'm so I'm so grateful that I'm becoming a mom in my late thirties versus earlier. Cause I feel like I would have done it so differently before. Um, you know, it's like, I, I'm very clear that my job isn't to mold him into what I want. It's to discover who he is and support that. And, and I know there's going to be hard times and I know he's going to probably challenge the hell out of me and I'm going to learn so much and he's going to teach me so much. So, um, but it's, it's a beautiful dance, isn't it? It is, and and there are such amazing mirrors. I mean, I took my boys just before this um, um, call to a karate grading, and my my five year old, you know, um, fussing about and really kind of sulky. And I was saying in the car, "Why are you being such a grump? You know, don't be mean to your brother." And um, he was saying, "You know, why are you always calling me names?" And it really wow. made me back and go yeah actually maybe that's not such a nice thing to say I'm trying to and and be kinder to maybe that's not the best way of going about it so wow that's incredible you know I I was watching this uh, TED talk the other day I don't remember the guy's name but he was talking about how how children are basically geniuses until they're like you know seven and then eventually this genius status starts to kind of go away because they become 
socialized and, you know, have to conform to all the norms and, and then ultimately it ends up being a very small percentage as, as we get into adults, but like deep down, we really all have this genius. And, um, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like your little boy has, has, has that, that quality. I kind of feel in psychiatry, I feel I'm, I'm at the coal face of human dissatisfaction. And the commonest themes that I face as a psychiatrist is, you know, who am I? Um, how can I be happy or sustain my joy? And, and what is my purpose? So I feel that we, we have this hunger for really standing in our power and wanting to be uninhibited and, and free. And yeah. I think the wellness world and integrative medicine provides an arm of this. So we're starting to create the health and the bodies that we, we know that we are, are destined to have. We want that by vitality. We're not, we're not okay with just being um, lesser than, subdued anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, we're starting to ask those, those deeper questions. And um, I was thinking, I was saying to a friend recently, it's almost as though this is the, the age of truth. There's so, there are so many um, kind of institutions that are toppling. The, um, we're wanting transparency from our governments. You know, the, 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 the sex um, scandals are yeah. being brought up to justice. In our country, corruption is being uh, um, exposed. And similarly, we're wanting the same transparent kind of authentic um opening or opportunity for ourselves but we're finding it really challenging to to meet that in our world that celebrates glamour and instagrammable perfection and and celebrity status so that's really my i don't know my curiosity at the moment yeah. how do we actually have a sense of true true power our unique um, expression in the world, as you say, that you want to allow for your son to experience in your care. It's such a difference, isn't it, between the conventional psych psychiatry world and integrative. And it sounds like even for you, you kind of take the integrative a step further. So what, is that, what does that really look like? You know, let's say someone listening, they're thinking, gosh, I think I'm dealing with, you know, maybe something that I need to look into, maybe getting diagnosed. I don't really know. Um, how, how would that be treated between those two different worlds? How is it approached? Well, when patients come to see me, they are suffering from mood um, difficulties. And almost everybody would still like the quick fix. You know, we're, we're still human. And so we spend a long time really exploring their history and trying to understand how they've ended up into, in this place. And it, it's we have to explore a number of tenants and that might be the numerous lifestyle choices that they've made over the, the decades that have resulted in ill health on many levels, the poor nutritional choices that they're making, the environment that they're living in, the relationships that they're predominantly engaged with and their, their spiritual or deeper life that they may have neglected. And so we take a proper psychiatric history but also really hone in on a number of those aspects and then in order to really promote optimum wellness we have to to address a lot of those fields and for most people you can only do one one thing at a time 
Um, otherwise, it's, it's just overwhelming and kind of yeah. um, overloaded. So I work with other integrative professionals now, and everybody goes and goes to see uh, an integrative nutritional scientist and has awesome. a program or has, you know, a really um, good dive into what they are fueling and what information they're taking into their body on a daily basis. And that may be um, accompanied with very um, precise testing, like the, the DNA um, genetics testing, mm -hmm. or if they have more significant gut um, issues, we may do a stool sample, which might reveal um, things that need to, need to be treated. And in other patients, we might really be wanting to explore um, what we call kind of um, organic acid testing, which is mm -hmm. like a symbolic snapshot of what's happening in the body. So it really depends on what the person's presenting with, what would be the most cost-effective and relevant investigations that are required, and how we can support patients in making small behavioral changes towards success because I find I mean even in my own life I know what I'm supposed to be doing but I I still seem to rotate through the same um, spirals you know I might if I'm supposed to be giving up coffee I'll still love to have my coffee every day it's not <laughs> right. really making those behavioral changes unless the the you know, the, the, the rubber meets the road and you have significant friction to cause you to change. Yeah. And so, you know, then we may take it a step further after we've looked at all the nutritional aspects and we look at not just nutritional deficiencies, but um, perhaps um, um, sensitivities or intolerances that could be um, um, causing issues. Um, and although we may provide supplements and um, uh, yeah, we, we tend to try and promote eating whole food, really trying to um, choose food that is fresh and um, in its natural form, not processed in order to heal the body. Um, and then if necessary, we might go a step further and look at, you know, toxicity toxicology or environmental factors that may be further impacting the body. So it, it is important to, I think, work with a professional because um, we were saying just even as doctors ourselves, trying to do it on your own can be extremely challenging. You do need a program and, and need to be monitoring your progress um, step by step and adjusting, adjusting it along the way. Yeah. And I think, I think it's also important for people to realize that they're not dysfunctional and they're not broken and they haven't um, lost all hope. I saw a patient this week and he was in his fifties and he, and he was just so perturbed because, you know, he had never learned to surf. Mm. And I said, well, you still have all this opportunity to surf, but he had thought, well, because he was depressed and had been depressed for 30 years and had no vitality, you know, all of those opportunities were lost to him. And that's a really important goal for him. So we'll commit 100% to one another for three months. And they have to really be steadfast in the program for at least a month. And then they notice so, so many changes for the positive usually. But then they, they can then proceed to the second and the third month. But if we have that goal of, you know, what is it that you really want to feel? I want to feel so alive 
and motivated that I could go and learn to surf and be in the waves with my sons, you know, that's, that's, it's important to highlight that for patients, for all patients to recognize in their own lives, you know, what are you striving for? Are you really just striving for more perfection, more pay, um, more status, or, or what are you wanting to invest your money and your, your time in? Those are the questions that are, are probably more relevant. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really like a, a dream, dream practitioner. The kind of things you're explaining is, I mean, I just, it's like, I could just go off in Gaga land just thinking like, wow, how incredible would it be if, if the psychiatrists in the world all would view all these different systems of the body, you know, looking at your, at your nutrient status, looking at foods you're sensitive to, looking at the gut. I mean, gosh, like the majority of your neurotransmitters are in the gut. So it's like, hello, for thinking about mental health, that's an area that you have to look at, you know, looking at um, different infections that got in the way or toxins. I mean, it's just, to me, it's like common sense medicine, but yet it's so missed so often. And, you know, it breaks my heart thinking of so many patients who go to their doctors and, and learn none of this stuff. And also I feel my heart goes out to the doctors too, who don't know these tools and they're getting frustrated with patients. And, you know, it's just, it's just a broken model. So I just think it's so important to highlight practitioners like you who do it this way. Um, Cause it's just, it's incredible. I mean, to be able to see the whole body as a whole like that. Well, thank you. But I'm, I, I guess what also is heartbreaking for me is witnessing patients who are desperate and right. so vulnerable and coming to their practitioners and asking for anything to help when they get their first antidepressant. And right. you know, even in my situation where I know that the, there is a different journey out, when you're, when you're sitting somebody with somebody at that cold face and um, you know, you know that you have to hold their hand for the next three months, step by step by step. Or you, on the other hand, you could just write a script and in two weeks time, ask them to come back and report that, you know, how they're feeling. And you know that they would feel better in two weeks time because possibly the placebo effect of that script is 70%. But what's agonizing for me is watching people get the scripts for their antidepressants and anti-anxiety. And then in five months time, the medication doesn't work and then the dose is increased. And then after that, they get a mood stabilizer in order to adjunct. And then they get a, a sleeping tablet and then the sleeping tablet isn't great. So they need something, you know, more um, activating in the morning. So they get, um, you know, amphetamines or, or Ritalin. And then, you know, trying to get anybody off that sort of medication when their brains have really adapted to having that artificial synthetic support is really challenging so um, and and even for those patients because you know there may be many patients who have experienced that story there is a way out and it does start with the the foundation of good sleep good exercise and good nutrition yeah and then finding some kind of level of purpose and significance you know the our retreat is called the I am retreat because really it was a, a kind of a personal journey of self-discovery because I realized that I was just trying to, most of my life I was spending straight jacketing myself into containers or thinking that, you know, my worth was, could be measured in the size of my, my thighs. And if only I could achieve certain things, I would be better than just this ordinary 
Siobhan Dawson, who is sitting right here. And until I, I really tapped into the, to asking the question over and over again, which, you know, some of the great sages of our time, like Jesus and Oprah and, and some other kind of very enlightened beings, they say that the only question to ask is, who am I? What is your unique pulse? How, how can you, what is your imprint or footprint in this world? And when, you've, when you start to really uncover and explore that aspect, really from an, a deeply intuitive place, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, Just flow, girl, flow. <laughs> <laughs> when you start to, when you ask those sort of questions and start to feel within yourself, you realize that you don't need to be doing this the striving or beyond that, that endless hamster wheel where you're needing the amphetamines just to keep yourself going or the antidepressants to make, to prop yourself up because you're not taking enough rest or, you know, all the remedies for the adrenal burnout and the thyroid issues, because you're, you're, you're tapping into a deeper well, something that can feed you, um, to an extent that anything external can ever feed you. So yeah. in all of these other um, explorations, which are fun and delightful um, and extraordinary, we still have to meet that messy part of ourselves that we, we all tend to shy away from. And it's only when we really meet that vulnerable aspect of ourselves, the, the, the part that isn't the Instagrammable perfect um, person. Right the great TED talk presenter. It's, it's that a deeply vulnerable, messy aspect of ourselves. And when we can sit with that, then something else, it starts to become revealed. And, um, and that's what I want to kind of create in these retreats that we're hosting. Almost this, this soft cocooning sanctuary where we're allowed to safely and gently expose those aspects of ourselves or just have an opportunity to look in because our lives seem to be so busy that we don't often have a chance to really ask some of those questions you know that that may be relevant like what are what are my dreams am I really living my dream Am, am, I, um, am I really spending time with the people that I want to spend time with? And am I really making an impact in our, our life and being of significance and having purpose? So anyway, I've rattled on there. Well, so much of what you have said, I could just, you know, dive into and talk about for hours because it's such a juicy and important conversation. And, and a few things that you said that really stand out. One is earlier in the interview saying that you're not dysfunctional or broken. Like that's, that's a powerful statement because that's really not how it's seen oftentimes in medicine. You know, it's that, it's that there is a pathology or, or something diagnosable. And, and, you know, sometimes here's the thing, even if you do get what's, you know, considered a diagnosis, it still doesn't mean that you're dysfunctional or broken. All it is is information. Right. And, and, um, that's, that's so important to, to really look at that. And, and also too, just the striving, you know, the striving for more perfection, more status, more pay. You know, I love, I love what you're talking about is asking yourself questions. It's like, if you're doing that, why, right? Why are you doing this striving? Why do you want more pay? Like why? And, and as a child, I was that 
that kid who asked why all the time to where I drive my parents crazy. Um, why? And then they give me the answer and why and give me an answer. And well, but why, <laughs> you know, so, but, but we could ask ourselves these questions. Why? And if it's, it's, if it's, be, I mean, really it, ultimately it's for love, right? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I'll I kind of I'll share you a very quick story with you that kind of illustrated this for me. I was a surgical intern in London, and we had um, what I call a revolving door patient, um, somebody who just represents every three months, doesn't get better. Next three months, there they are, and everybody knows them kind of by name, and they have a, a folder the size of you know a couple of Bibles stacked. And this one guy kept coming into the A&E, the emergency room, and he would disembowel himself with a carving knife. And so I was always sent off to Clarkin because they said, oh, Siobhan, you don't mind going to chat to, you know, the people who are obviously a little crazy or weird. What does that mean for people? What was he actually doing? So... He, so the self-harm was so, was so bad, but the surgeons would have to, you know, take him off to theater immediately and sew him up and they were furious because there would be adhesions and all sorts of, um, it was problematic and um, there was a risk of hepatitis and all of that. But what struck me about him was that he, he disemboweled himself at the bus stop just outside of the emergency room theater. And when I said, what, what are you doing? He said, I don't actually want to die. I'm just so uncomfortable in my body. And I, I just don't know how to be in this life. I'm, I'm searching for a way to be. And that, that was almost, it was such an aha moment for me because it was so stark, but it almost reflected the end point of this pursuit of perfection. You know, this um, kind of inability to grow old, this, um, the huge, the, the way that plastic surgery has, has um, burgeoned, which is huge in, in Cape Town as well the way that we have to perfectly parent our children. It's just the, the exhausting, exhausting pursuit of, of, of something else. That's not necessarily us. And, and right. what I'm starting to question is what if our deepest wound, our deepest um, place of vulnerability actually encases our greatest gift. And so what we are most ashamed of might actually the, the layerings around our core gift, but we spend so much time distancing ourselves from it, you know, kind of building these concentric layers around this pearl um, and then airbrushing them and then judging them. And then we spend the rest of our life trying to claw our way back to the pearl. So, you know, what are we experiencing in our life that we see as a curse or inconvenient or um, uncomfortable, and if we dive into that, could that actually reveal where our mark lies, where our gift is to ourselves and to society? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and and how so often we want to numb from that discomfort, <laughs> and and may, maybe a lot of different ways for that person that's disemboweling themselves, like that actually would create some sort of relief. People could be cutters, you know, but it also could be alcohol, it could be weed, it could be shopping, it could be porn, it could be so many things. And, you know, 
we've all dealt with our numbing agents of choice and they're all, they're all exactly the same, even though they seem like there's degrees of severity, but it's, it's all the same running from this discomfort. But you know, I was um, kind of in talking about um, psychoactive substances, which, you know, alcohol and smoking and food and weed and all of that is, I realized that in tribes all over the world, they engage in, um, I guess, modalities or traditions that help them access trance states. So it's part and parcel of their cultural norm. And so when I was designing these retreats, I thought, how can I offer non-ordinary states of consciousness for people to access where they can kind of journey into the deep parts of themselves so they don't have to turn to the, the, the things that numb them or allow them to escape, but actually utilize these states in a healthy way to gain insight um, for themselves. Right. And um, holotropic breath work, I'm sure a lot of people are very familiar with, but in South Africa, it's, it's only a kind of a newer experience. I don't think people are familiar Just, with that. So can you, can you say what that is? Yeah. So it was actually started um, by Stanislav Grov, who is... Um, one of our kind of greatest psychiatrists of our time. And he, um, I believe, um, I, I may be corrected by this, but he did a lot of um, the psychoactive work in the 60s um, with LSD and mushrooms in Esalen. And then that was, um, you know, um, made illegal. But he realized that some of the cathartic opportunities around using those non-ordinary states of consciousness where you're able to trance and almost um, jettison out of your, your kind of present moment held a lot of space for people to explore their own truths. Mm-hmm. And so he developed a breathing technique, which is a transformative breathing technique, which is very simple and can be learned by anybody, which entails kind of breathing for an hour and a half really deeply um, and, and quickly to a soundtrack. And it causes profound um, kind of visions and emotional release. So that actually has become the pinnacle of our I Am Retreat. We um, use that on the second day to really open up um, space for people to explore. And then we looked at some other non-ordinary states of consciousness. So we introduced conscious dancing Um, techniques where for two hours you can really let yourself go and just move your body so that you start to really connect with a deeply empowered sensual the sensual experience of this gorgeous body moving through space and you lose yourself to the music or to the drumming and that also seems to hold um healing on a in in a modality that that isn't offered um, really very easily in talk therapies or other um, right. therapeutic instances. And then we also offer um, a sound healing. So um, we've got just the most amazing sound healers here who sound bath using Tibetan bowls and gongs and chanting. And that also takes people to kind of another place. And I, I feel that these non-ordinary states of consciousness are actually what people are finding transformative. 
and um, it's less and less the the knowledge base you know the the, the mental um, giving the lectures and understanding the neuroscience and the neurobiology and the functional medicine is very interesting but these provide just something very special for people as yeah. a mindfulness practice or a yoga practice might do it's incredible all of those what i hear or what i what comes up for me is that it's it, these are different techniques to truly just discover yourself by quieting kind of the monkey mind that tries to make sense of things sort of the logic brain you know the conscious brain and just just discovering yourself you know and it's like with things like talk therapy which i think there's importance for that in in a lot of ways but it's it's talking about things and getting perspective from someone else which can give some insights but you always, in my opinion, you have to bring that back to what do I really believe and what's true for me, you know? So um, that's an yeah. incredible way to cut through that. And, and everyone may resonate with a different modality. So it's, it's really cool to have all those different options for people. Yes, exactly. Wow. And I, really cool. I guess, um, I think what another, the other arm, um, well, that the other way that it's, that it's effective is, I almost find, you know, there's the adrenal burnout and thyroid issues have kind of skyrocketed. It's almost like we're neurobiologically short-circuiting ourselves. We've got these digital lives and our society feels fragmented and our economy is a little fragile. And um, I guess we've got this low-grade stress response going on. And when we've got this... Or high-grade. <laughs> or high-grade all the time. <laughs> Yes, yes but it's isn't it? And yeah. so the ability to self-heal when we're in this chronically activated response is, is, is reduced. And also our prefrontal cortex, um, which is our executive, our thinking brain, almost has to shut down in order to help us cope. So we're in this default survival mode. So mm -hmm. some of these, these other modalities are almost the gateway or backdoor in to help release um, that prefrontal lobe um, shutting down. It helps the, the, the hemispheres reconnect, um, supports neuroplasticity, um, creates new kind of neural networks, just as, as meditation has been shown to enhance brain function. So um, that's, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm interested in providing those offerings now what have you seen from working with people doing this type of approach versus you know maybe just kind of the psychiatry approach only that you were doing before so the the conventional um, psychiatric approach i found extremely frustrating because it was that that litany of in five months I had to increase the meds and then add something and then add something. And, um, and I also just didn't feel like I was moving into a space of deep intimacy with people. It's yeah. almost as though the meds were um, propping them up, but almost provide um, creating more space between them and me. And then I learned a couple of other um therapies that really helped um, me dive a little more deeply with them and that might you know it would require them you know sometimes they would lie on 
the on the carpet in fetal position and and cry and I'd lie on the carpet with them and so that mm. felt like we were moving into a different space and then I realized that I didn't feel as though I could hold people through this this um, integrative functional medicine route well I could hold them but it wasn't almost quick enough for me I couldn't see enough patients to move them through that passage and I felt like we needed more of a collaborative community approach and then through the retreats I found that actually the participants held space for one another on a level that I couldn't just hold so I could hold one aspect but they held another aspect and it and there was a deeper um, healing that occurred through and with one another um, and so they they also then motivated themselves to adhere to um, you know the n- nutritional aspects or they would join forces and and exercise or be in in nature or prompt one another to to meditate or go to yoga so it was just that that increased support I think that I found really helpful for my clients and they found much more transformative Mm -hmm. I love that the community piece is so incredibly important and you know at my at my clinic shine where we really stress the importance of community you know we'll have different events and classes and we and even like in our, our IV therapy room, we organize all the chairs in a circle because we want people to connect and talk to each other and, um, you know, and have that kind of um, that community aspect. Because with, you know, with medicine, it's, it's very much like one to one, which it's important for privacy to an extent, but also at the same time, when, when you're able to connect with other patients and other people going through similar things, it's, it's really powerful. So you don't feel like you're alone. Yeah. You know, you do get a lot of patients who go, oh, no, 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 I, you know, I don't like that group stuff. I'm too private. I don't want to share, which, um, you know, I really respect. But I think that most people, as you say, is there's this desire, this call for love and call for connection and call to be seen. So if people can just even be a little bit bold to try things that they haven't tried in community settings. They, um, I think they, they often come away feeling as enriched, a little more enriched. Yeah. Last question I want to ask you, it would be for people, and we'll give people information for how they can, you know, join your retreats and follow what you're up to. But for people who um, want to kind of get started in this inquiry, what would maybe be some questions that they can start to ask themselves to go deeper into um, understanding themselves more and just getting some clarity for themselves. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good question um, to ask. Um, deeper inquiry. I guess if I had to choose three questions, it would be very simple questions. Kind of what daily choices are you making that are sucking away your life force? Um, And then the second question I would probably ask is, how are you currently buffering um, stress or boredom? And that, you know, feeds into us numbing our pain that we were talking about earlier. Um, And then this is a question that you asked me about my maternity leave, but I would ask something around, if you had all the confidence and freedom in the world, how would you be living your life? So how would you be actually creating your 
dream life and why aren't you, why are you not living it? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you projecting it into the future? What tiny little steps could you be making today to achieve that, that goal of your, your dream life, mm-hmm. your enriched life? Yes. Oh, so juicy. So, so good. Really powerful stuff. And, and the thing is, when we cut, cut the noise out, we know, we know, we, we have the answers. I mean, that's, that's really why our biggest aha moments happen in the shower because we're not on social media in the shower. Right. I mean, for me, it would always, it would always be like the shower or on planes. Cause I would just get these crazy aha insights on planes, but now, you know, you, there's Wi-Fi on planes and you just can't escape it. So, um, but if you carve out that time for yourself intentionally and allow yourself to sit in that inquiry and it might be really boring at first, because we're all addicted to like so much stuff coming at us, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible what can surface. And um, we're all just little gurus <laughs> when we give ourselves time for it. So um, Dr. Dawson, how can, how can people you know, follow what you're up to and also be a part of your retreats? Oh, sweet. Um, so my, our retreats are called ANASA retreats, A-N-A-S-S-A retreats and um we're hosting one in may on the 17th of may in cape town in the wineland so it's an exquisite environment um they've got infrared saunas and eco pools and mountain walks and wow. you know you feel very close to to nature and feel very cocooned so that's happening in may but um otherwise i'm i'm just online uh, dr siobhan dawson so people are welcome to email me and I can, I can chat to them. I'm very happy to chat and be awesome. part of their life. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with you. Oh, I'm so grateful too. Thank you for the conversation. And I, I will say if I wasn't about to pop out a baby, I would be the first one at that retreat. So I'll have to keep in the loop on the next one coming up. <laughs> with that darling baby, how exciting for you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks again for joining us and we'll talk real soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.